The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner-creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing, man? You know, hanging in, you know, it's the calm before the storm, but it ain't that calm. So, you know, it's the rough waters around the storm. And Joe is referring to Mecca 7, which is this Friday, the 4th, 7 p.m. Um, how is the venue coming along and what is it that you guys need to uh, take into consideration in getting everything ready for uh, the doors to open on Friday? You know, everything is overthinking everything. We've done a hundred shows, but you know, there's that anxiousness, you know, before a show, we haven't been at the silver nugget in, you know, probably eight, nine years. And the venue looks pretty much exactly the same as it was before. So, you know, back in the day, we'd hook up our own little shitty system and run it from the uh, back of the stage. Now we're using their newer in-house system. So, you know, that's a complication because there's a guy who runs their lighting and sound and he won't be there till the day of the show. Uh, we'll be setting up the day before the show. So that's great that everything's being set up, but we can't make sure everything works until, you know, four hours before the show starts. You know, I'd rather make sure if there's any issues, we knew 14 hours. Like, God forbid the sound system goes down. Well, now three hours before the show, we have to run to our place to grab our sound system and set it back and set it all up, you know, and those are little things that, you know, are always in the back of my head, you know, cancellations, you know, where do we go if this guy can't make it? I knew Davey Richards has been hurt. He pulled out a PWG last week and it's like, okay, well, in a, in a perfect world, you can bring in some guy on two days notice, but you really can't. So it's like, okay, well, where do you pull from? You know, and in my head, it's like, you don't want to mess up too many matches. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll move Willie Mack. But then Remy needs a guy. Right. Oh, you know, in a perfect world, you know, you take the four-way and you can put a guy like TJ Perkins in with Hammerstone and Cage, and you know that's going to be a fantastic match. Right. And people will be engaged in that match. Casey Navarro, great young talent. I don't think people are going to look at him with Hammerstone and Cage, two monsters. And again, not that they won't have a great match. They might have a better match than with TJ. But it's the fact of Casey Navarro's name value with the FSW fans. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, throw Vandegrift in there. Bay needs an opponent. You know what I mean? It's like you throw Adonis or, you know, it's kind of the issue with the tag team with Toa not being able to make it. And we wanted to stay within the MK Army, which Tito Escondido and Sam Adonis. Well, Sam Adonis is already working Kenny King. I really don't want to ask the dude to work twice 
especially because it isn't a last minute thing. We already know in advance. So we were able to get Tito Escondido back. You know, he's, he's been back in action for, for a little while now. Uh, you know, he had gotten injured himself, yeah. but he's been back. So, you know, we're setting that up and, you know, we talked with numerous tag teams. We were trying to figure everything out. And as of right now, we'll just, you know, keep it as a surprise on who the MK army uh, will be taking on, you know, at the event. And when you look at, um, when you look at how you balance a card like this, what is it that goes into your process of figuring out what is the right order, running order, when you are essentially bringing in, um, you know, all the the name guys, and it's not necessarily uh, just the FSW show as normal, where you would be able to lay it out pretty much by the stories <clears throat> and whatnot that is going on already. Is it a totally different feel to make sure that for you the running order feels right? on paper so that it translates into the ring as well. I, I think it's a little easier with the Mecca because every match is a big time match. Yeah. You know, it isn't filling in some young guys, trying to get them on the show and trying to mix and match. You know, what I like to do is work backwards. You know, you always hear that WrestleMania. Hey, the next year it's WrestleMania. Like right now there's only going to, there, there can only be, one of two matches is the main event of that show. Right. And it's either Hammerstone Cage and Davey Richards or Cross and Jacob Fatu. So we have eight matches scheduled. So we already know that's eight and seven. You right. don't want to have five single matches in a row. So you're trying to break it up, you know. So you're looking at it as, okay, well, then maybe match six to separate it at least is an intergender match with Funny Bone and Sandra Moon. So, you know, that's looking at match six. And then you go backwards. And at that point, uh, you're probably looking at what might be one of the best matches on the show, Chris Bay and Matt Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, that goes to number five. So even though five and six and maybe seven are singles matches, they're 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 not that they're three different ones. But they are. Cross and Jacob Fatu, you know, is a battle of big monsters. They're going to be throwing throwing people around. Yeah. You know, you the uh, Funny Bone Sandra Moon match, man versus woman, intergender. Match before that, you got Chris Bay and Matt Vander. So now we got five, six, seven, and eight locked in. And now it's trying to mix in the tag match. Mix right. in, you know, so to me... With the singles match in match five and match six, probably the tag match fits well at match four. So now match four becomes uh, Toko Uso or MK Army, whatever, Juicy and Tito versus their opponents. So that breaks it up a little. So now you go backwards to number three. Well, we got a four-way. We have Remy Marcel and Willie Mack, and then we have Sam Adonis and Kenny King. I don't perceive Sam Adonis and Kenny King as a opener match. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I have to now, so I'm going to put that as match three. 
Match three will be Kenny King and Sam Adonis. So the only decisions I have are the first and second match and the seventh and eighth match. Right. So I can put Remy and Willie Mack to open the show, which I think would be an extremely hot opener, into the four-way. If I start with, I love four ways to start the match, man. It's like high-flying, quick action. But then you're going into Remy versus Willie and then into another singles match. Right. So you want to switch that. Because yesterday when I was discussing it with one of my favorite people, myself, about where I was going to go with it, it was the idea was the four-way. But as I'm here now talking and thinking about it, I'm thinking maybe, you know, nice hard start. Willie Mack hasn't been around in a while. People love Willie. People love Remy. You know, that's a good way to kick off the Mecca. You know, guys like Willie who worked, you know, my IWF shows in Phoenix. You know, know, Willie's been around for these big-time shows. And he's extremely well-loved. And he can walk to the Silver Nuggets, so I don't have to worry about him being late. You know what I mean? And, you know, might be having the after party at Willie Max. You know what I'm saying? And then if we do that, we can then go into the four-way, which would be now Jay Vidal, TJ Perkins, Casey Navarro, and Damian Drake. Combination of everything. Damian Drake, one of, you know, the FSW, you know, early on guys, you know. Jay Vidal, the new No Limits champion, TJP, one of the best in the world, and Casey Navarro, you know, up-and-coming superstar. So, you know, know, that's a match that fits on the the Mecca. And then we're looking at doing a pre-show match, you know, to make sure certain guys, like Death Proof, for example, you know, those guys have to be on the show. So either they work the MK Army or we make sure we include them. Either way, they're included on the show. And then it's trying to, you know, fill out what that first pre-show match will be uh, moving forward. But, you know, the card is solid from beginning to end. You know, there's not a clunker in there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there's some great talent who won't be on the show. You know, Gregory Sharp's not booked. Ice Williams is not booked. You know, and Eli Everfly is injured. You know, we were talking about getting him a Brandon Gatson. You know, there's a lot of those no limits guys that are that are super that, you know, unfortunately, there's only so many spots. And, you know, I, I did do the four way. But in reality, there's not the New Japan eight man tag pre-show match and another six man scramble. It's like. One tag match, one four-way, and the rest are singles matches. Yeah. So, you know, short, sweet, to the point, you know, let's go out there. And, you know, as I said, it's a homecoming for Cross. It's now a homecoming for FSW. So, you know, I've had some discussions with some uh, different people about other events. Talked with Silver Nugget. uh, Talked with GCW. You know, talking with a lot of people you know, about doing some stuff in the future. And, you know, AEW, I guess it's no longer a rumor. They're going to be out here Memorial Day weekend. So a few of our friends might be uh, coming out also. So we might want to do that Friday, Saturday into the pay-per-view Sunday mix. Uh, Cinco de Mayo falls on a Thursday. So uh, 
going to be doing some stuff on that Friday. Yeah. Uh, Silver Nugget's a great place to run Lucha shows. Yeah. And we, you know, and we got good relationships with guys from AAA like Psycho Clown and Conan and, you know, guys like Willie Mack who've already worked at and Sam Adonis is a mainstay there. And, yeah. and even Cross and, and Gage, you know, hey, you know, might need a woman. Taya, AAA champion numerous occasions. Yeah. John, you know, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mecca, you know, John Hennigan, whatever you want to call it, you know. So there's a lot of potential uh, things that are happening over the next six months that we are extremely excited about. You know, and, and speaking of that time frame, um, what happens for you when you're looking at advance uh advance booking so let's say you know you're looking towards memorial day weekend and you're coming up with that idea let's say a concept of using a lot of people who have appeared in triple a and then uh, that'd be cinco de mayo cinco de mayo i'm so so sorry um so going into that let's say you you have that lined up and then uh, you you book someone like Taya and someone like Morrison, um, let's say Cross as well, and all of a sudden, as you're getting closer, now these guys are getting picked up by AEW. What what does it do for you as a promoter when the the people who've had their contracts the 90 days run out with the WWE are now free agents? You've lined some up. And now they're potentially going to a different company before they can do your event. Is that something that you've dealt with in the past? Or is this kind of going to be a new concept being that there really hadn't been two huge companies in over 20 years in wrestling? Well, see, the deal with AEW is, again, there's an issue with guys on a Friday, you know, a Cinco de Mayo show, the guy we're talking with, they're doing something in California on the Saturday. So Friday makes the, the best sense. Yeah. I'm more concerned with the Mecca stuff. And, you know, Mecca 8, there's a good possibility that would happen AEW weekend. And, again, that would be a Friday or Saturday show. Well, if we want to use AEW guys, we know for a fact that in most cases – uh, Friday nights are not good because yeah. they won't allow them. Jay Lethal, I actually saw as being booked on a Friday. Whether they're taping it live or not, I have no idea. But the fact of the matter is, since they run a show on Friday, they don't want any of their workers that they're currently using, because obviously Brian Cage and Casey Navarro are working our show. Right. Uh, uh, Leo Rush was now available, but it, it came after the fact. We, you know, So we always been looking to book uh, Leo Rush versus Chris Bay. And in that situation, you know, it keeps you on your toes. You got to pay attention. You got to see what's going on. You know, you got to you got to make moves. There's guys always available. You know, what's Ring of Honor doing? You know, yeah. they're coming back supposedly for show WrestleMania weekend. I don't put a lot of stock into that because it's WrestleMania weekend. Everybody kind of runs. It's easy to do the one show. You know, let's see what they do after yeah. that, you know. But there's guys West Coast guys, we could pick up the Ryan Taylors, Brody Kings, Batemans. And again, Brody King, obviously, now he's become part of AEW. Well, 
him? Does he have an exclusive contract? I don't know. Malachi Black, who was a bigger name, is working other shows and other yeah. independents. So I'm assuming AEW has been giving a lot of freedom to people as long as I guess they don't work Fridays. <laughs> so, you know, on the horizon, you know, will the Hardy Boys come in? Who knows? Love to, you know. But the thing is also, if we do Mecca 8 AEW weekend, I'm pretty certain that they're going to shut down any of their guys working in Vegas on the Friday or Saturday before their biggest pay-per-view of the year. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm not dumb. I pay attention to things. So I'm aware of that. And, you know, I learned from it's called growing pains. You learn from your mistakes. You know, when when Ring of Honor first came to Las Vegas and they did their anniversary show and they did their TV tapings on Friday and Saturday, I thought, hey, what a good idea. I'm going to run a FSW show on Sunday. And on that show, we used Kenny King. We used Rocky Romero. We used Silas Young. And we used uh, Colby Carino, who was part of it at the time. And it was, you know, it was a nice show. And we did it at the Silverton. And looking back at the records, it was the least attended casino show we had done that. And it was like, well, let's see. Why is that? Well, I'm going to break it down. Ring of Honor is selling out their anniversary show. Well, first row's 90 bucks. Second row's 80 bucks. Third row's 70 bucks. You know, you're in the sixth row and it's still like 40 bucks. So... It was easy for people to say, hey, you know what? Love FSW. You know, I'm tapped out. A lot of wrestling this weekend. You know, I spent three, $400. You know, we're going to pass on that show. And that's my reasoning or my belief of, of the reason why. It was a good card. Pride, honor, respect, we called it. Try to bring into the, the, the Ring of Honor name involved and, right. you know, make it a big deal. Uh, I remember we had a... Uh, heavyweight title match i think uh, cross was in it but it was like we had a ring of honor guy which was kenny king we had an impact guy which was eli drake you know we had a lucha underground guy i guess which was cross or willie whatever it was it was like four different you know things and that was the selling point and oh well did, didn't work out so i didn't give up you know the next year i said Ring of Honor's coming out again. And, and this is when I had helped them get into Samstown. But now they're going to get into Samstown. And we had a show in Mesquite called When Stars Collide. So this was pre-Mecca. It is the Mecca, but we still called it When Stars Collide because I hadn't, you know, concepted the Mecca yet. Right. So I decided, hey, I got an idea. And I stated it before. I called up uh, Brian Cage. And, you know, that's how Keith Lee got put into the mix. You know, I was not that aware of this really good indie guy out of Texas. You know, I knew a lot of the guys out of California, things like that. So I'm like, hey, I got this idea. I want to do this big show after Ring of Honor Friday and Saturday. But I need it to be big enough. Like at the time, Russell Circus was doing big shows like that. And they got a lot of good vibes about it. And I felt that the Ring of Honor fans, a lot of them were coming in from out of town. Yeah. And by working with Ring of Honor, we were fortunate enough to put together a show that would be on at Sam's Town the day after. So everybody was in the area, knew exactly where to be, have people were staying there. 
And by working with them, I was able to hand out flyers and sell tickets. So before that, it was putting the show together and getting Cage and Sammy Callahan and, you know, Davey Richards, which was the first time he no-showed us, uh, where he was supposed to wrestle Sammy and then became a three-way. And uh, because Davey canceled, I got Bubba Dudley to Bubba Ray, Bully Ray. He came in and, you know, he put somebody through a table. It was a huge pop surprise, you know, Rob Conway was there. Uh, Cross got John Morrison to work in the main event with him. And, you know, it was a star-studded show. And we drew very, very, very well. And I remember selling tickets with my swiper and my phone at Samstown. Like, hey, you know, I'm not one who just puts flyers on a seat and walks away. Hey, hey doing i'm joe i run fsw we got this big show we got john morrison we got this we got that and you'd say it to somebody but there's 10 people around and you make sure you kind of say it around them so people who are interested can now kind of lean in a little bit and then oh you got tickets you sold out now we got tickets Uh, you can buy them right here you know what i mean and it was like you know we sold 20 or 30 tickets inside samstown during an event (laughs) You know, I feel like the first match was going on and I was like in the process of making a transaction, you know, and it was like we realized we had something. there. So for us, we're going to always have our FSW fans. The Mecca has always been following a huge event in Vegas, whether it was AEW, which we had planned for the last one after the one we did Mecca six, we had already had a tournament in place. We were down to the final four and we were going to crown the champion the day before double or nothing in 2020 because we did in March, 2020. So generally ring of honor came in in March and September. Well, they canceled in March. We still did the show. It was a huge success and we narrowed it down to four people. And now, because it was two years later, we still have this gorgeous Mecca belt but I didn't feel it was the right time to just all of a sudden, you know, unfortunately that final four got to redo it all. It's been two years. It ain't going to be like, Oh, okay. They won that semifinal match two years ago. And when I found out after cross got released, the Mecca kind of fell into our lap. That wasn't really the scheduled date. It was, Oh, okay. Cross's first available date is February 2nd. Hey, bro, are you available? We want to use you. February 4th, first day back. And he's like, let me check. Because he was working for Kevin Matthews in Jersey, Jersey. which he's worked Saturday and Sunday. There's some kind of convention and some matches or whatever it is. And it was, you know, funny because everybody, oh, come across his first appearance post WWE. No, it's not there. It's at FSW. (laughs) It's at his hometown. It's his home place. And that's how Mecca 7 was born. And now Mecca 8, we're hoping, would be that weekend. And whether it's Mecca 8, FSW, GCW 2, we don't know yet. You know, we're we're looking at all the different avenues of where we could go with Mecca 8 because we know there's going to be a shit ton of wrestling fans in town. Right. Why would we not want to take advantage of that 
by offering wrestling fans a great show. It's kind of like the WrestleMania thing, you know, where uh, because of the collective and GCW and all that stuff, that there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, I talked with Brett at GCW and, you know, I know that they've been busy, but unfortunately they filled up a lot of those slots. So we're just trying to see if we can get some information because, you know, there's a lot of guys that we know that are, are going to be there. We've got people from out of state who may have worked for us once or twice or have wanted to work for FSW who put it out like, Hey, I'm going to be in Dallas WrestleMania weekend, you know, and you know, Bloodsport announced their thing. So there's a good shot. I'm pretty sure a guy like Cross is going to be there. I wouldn't run a Natural Born Killers, but, you know, I'd run a Cross versus, say, Malachi Black or something. Sure. Or, you know, Buddy Matthews, whatever it is, with some of these WWE guys. So, you know, there's so much to try to do, and people look at it, yeah, but why haven't you done this, and why haven't you gotten the date locked in? It's like, you know, there's other people that have – it takes two to tango. You know, GCW just did their Hammerstein ballroom show. So he wasn't really returning messages. You know, he was in, busy dealing with, you know, X-Pac's agent, Sean Walton's agent, you know, to get him in the mix to now set him up for a match because I hit him up about that. You know, hey, love to have Sean Waltman out here. And it was like, hey, he goes through an agent. You got to deal with that, which not my favorite thing to do, you know. But – you do what you got to do. So it's like there's so many eggs, you know, in the basket, but getting them to fruition is, is, is the difficult part. You know, yeah. I want to do a million things. And unfortunately you probably can only do 20 of them. Yeah. So you got to make sure the 20, you know, are done right. And, you know, you, you mentioned a, a name like Keith Lee, um, for you looking at some of the guys who are now available and you look at a name like that and you look at the fact that there was some history between a guy like him and Cross, are those options that go through your head as well? Is the, you know, either the history in FSW or the history with two competitors in a, you know, in a different company, let's say Keith Lee and and uh, K and uh, cross and NXT. Um, does that appeal or is that something that other promoters are booking? So you would maybe stay away from that if um, it's getting oversaturated in other areas throughout the country. No, because cross is an FSW guy, but to be honest, you know, I would have to do a gimmick match. I would have Keith Lee versus killer cross and the winner gets Triple H's affections. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you got to do something like that with, you know, William Regal as the special guest referee. Yeah. You know, that would make it way more interesting, and nobody else would ever even think of doing something like that. You know, maybe you can have, like you had with Chris Jericho, maybe uh, Triple H can cut a promo, you know, hugs and kisses to both of you. But, you know, the winner really gets my affections, you know. But... You're always looking at everybody, you know, yeah. people released. There's people we've dealt with. So, of course, I'm going to reach out to a Ryan Taylor who was in NXT. Of course, I'm going to reach out to a Jake Atlas who worked for us. 
you know, I'm going to reach out to a Brody King. He didn't work for us a lot, but he knows us, you know, he's with a lot of our people and I'm going to reach out and, you know, see what they're asking for. You know, those guys work for far less than what their going rate is today. And, you know, Bateman's another guy we like a lot. We talk to and we're trying to get into the mix, you know, and there's a lot of these guys and, and, and even guys we never used like a Jonathan Gresham. You're always going to inquire, you know, he's, he's a hot commodity right now, yeah. you know, but you also got to take into consideration, you know, with all these companies allowing people to work, you know, an MLW guy and an AEW guy and a impact guy and a ring of honor guy. A lot of time there's a lot of disappointment because you can't get a real winner. Right. Well, I can lose to him. I can't lose to him. I can't lose to him, but I can lose to him. I can't take a pinfall. I can lose by in a ladder match, you know, and it's made the, it's made that, 500 piece puzzle a 5,000 piece puzzle because you're trying it, it, it's sometimes impossible to put together you know the card the way you want it because of the politics yeah. you know of course it's great that AEW and Ring of Honor and Impact and all these guys will work together and let you work to have them work on the show but then they're very picky about what a guy can do and there you know it's just like when we did the interview with brian cage a guy i've known since 2009 when he did the show we had to have an AEW representative listening in to make sure you know we didn't ask hey do you think these guys are assholes because they yapped about your 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 wife saying some statements about you not being utilized you weren't being utilized so it's a story people people really want to know yeah People who listen here, sure they want to know about him and Hammerstone and they and, and Cage was our champ, but they'd sure like to know what he really thought about what his girl said, you know, yeah. what's going on in AEW, you know. I have an idea, you know, I hear some stuff, but, you know, we're not close confidants that he tells me everything about the situation that's going on. Yeah. But, again, anybody who has any knowledge of anything and has a brain can see well guys guys like toa can't even work on a friday yet Brian cage who's actually signed with them they don't care if he works on a friday like i don't think anybody needs to think that he's not high on their list the guy's been on the guy's been brought in worked like one tv match in the last three or four months so obviously they've moved on to other plans joey janella He's another guy. He gets to go and he goes, does his thing. You know, Marco's stunt. Hey, now I'm now available for bookings. Yeah. Well, would that mean you weren't available before? Because I know a lot of the early guys couldn't appear in different places. Right. Like Jungle Boy had it in his contract. He couldn't work anywhere else. Now, whether it's changed or not, Luchasaurus's contract was he could work wherever he wanted. And I remember there was a show, it might have been Defy, it was somewhere up in like the Portland, Washington area. And it was Jurassic Express. And I saw it. And it said Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And I immediately hit up Jungle Boy. Like, hey, bro, what's up? I saw you booked in Washington. 
you know, love to have you back in Vegas because he loved coming out here. He's friends with the guys. And he was like, yeah, I just heard about it. I got a whole bunch of messages. I got to find out what's going on because I'm not allowed to do it. (laughs) And then like a day or two later, we heard the Jurassic Express was now going to be Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt because Jungle Boy couldn't take other books which I thought was a disservice to him because here's a 20, 21 year old kid who had to have a lot of experience going out on the Indies, especially then when they had the one TV show and most of the time he's not on it. So at best he's working once every couple of weeks. Wouldn't you want this young talented guy get the opportunity to get better and better instead of just doing it in front of your audience when you don't have them on enough shows, you know, and I get it. That's great. Maybe he's down at the Nightmare Factory and he's training and stuff. But nothing beats a live match. Nothing beats you going in there and have to go from beginning to end. I've seen it in, you know, at the school all the time. You have a match, bing, bang, boom. Oh, fucked it up. Started again. Started again. Or the trainers. Oh, that sucks. Started again. Well, yeah, great. You can't do that in front of fans. You can't do that when you're on in a live event. It's like, fuck, we fucked up. How the fuck are we going to get this back? And that's what makes a good, you know, a mediocre wrestler good and a good wrestler great and a great wrestler the best there is because he's able to take knowledge of the mistakes and hopefully turn it around and not make that mistake ever again. And if you keep making the mistake in in practice, (laughs) fuck's that going to do? Right. Nothing. Well, and along those lines, too, do you find it um, kind of odd, I guess, that there are the certain people who can work? Okay, that's fine. But guys like Jungle Boy in that situation back then, and even I'll argue even today, because, you know, it's not like they're wrestling house shows. So wouldn't you want those guys to appear in smaller local independent shows so that would make a connection with someone who might not be a fan of your product being able to up close and personally see in a you know audience of 100 200 people you know a guy that okay I just met him and I'm a you know a 13 year old kid and now I can watch him on TV does that not make more sense than this idea of protecting guys who, at this point, their potential is there, but their name value is not built up enough? Well, as you see, there, there's one way of doing it, which is the WWE way, and they have done that forever. You sign with them, you have no connection to anything. Right. Um Case in point, Lacey Ryan. She wrestled Matt Vandegrift in her last match. She was getting signed that week. She she wrestled her match. She signed. The next week, uh, I'm not sure if we had another show or we were doing a watch party or whatever it was, but we were putting on her, you know, putting her up on the wall of fame. Right. And we thought she was going to come out, maybe say a few words, sit in the audience, whatever. And by the time it happened, she was there, but she couldn't be seen on, in public. And she sat in the office. And that's where she was for that moment. 
And it's kind of like, wow, she's not doing anything. You know, we th- we're thanking her for her service. You know, she's our first woman that has gotten signed to a major company. You know, she'd been in the business for a long time and she hadn't really gotten anywhere. She came to FSW, you know, strap on her back, you know, maybe made a Maserati or a Sandra Moon, who were the mainstays of the company, a little upset, disappointed, whatever word you want to use, that they weren't going to be the next champion. And even now I've had some of the guys that I know, like, oh, you can, aren't you going to put the belt on this one? I'm like, no, putting the belt on this one. You know, she is fucking awesome. And, you know, it was the right decision. And the one thing I regret about everything in that women's thing was how we had a rush Maserati winning the title. Yeah. Where she never really got that moment. And credit to her because when she was passing it over to Sandra Moon, she recommended, you know, the you know, the TLC and doing everything she could to pass that belt over. Yeah. And you know, she did a fantastic job. Yeah. And it, it, it's disappointing that she never really got that. It wasn't even announced as a match, but we had no choice. Like, that was it. Like, we had to do it then or the titles vacated. And we had to do it at a women's show where Lacey was scheduled to wrestle somebody else. She beat that one and Maz came out and they kind of didn't really cut the promo the way I said, and it made even more a little clunky. And then the match ended and we had a new champ and it was kind of like, well, sometimes you got to get to where you got to get. Right. And you know, it, it isn't the, the perfect, you know, s- sequence of the way you want to do things because no matter what, whether it's a heel or a face, whether you're liked or disliked, the fact of the matter is a title change should be a big deal. Right. And we made it a very big deal in FSW. If you win the belt and you don't lose it in the cash in the case immediately right after, you usually hold the belt, you know, for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. To where there's there's been far more six, eight, nine-month reigns than there have been six-day, six-week reigns. You know, I can count on one hand, you know, Remy Marcel won the heavyweight title for two weeks because Eli Drake got signed, and we still put the belt on him because that moment had to happen. You know, Chris Bay, he won won the No Limits title. Nick Bugatti cashed in the case immediately. Right. So... You know, that always goes on the the history record. And to this day, I know it bothers Chris Bay that he didn't hold the title for more than like four minutes. You know, so and most recently uh, with Chris Bay again. So he's had possibly the two shortest reigns in FSW history. But he was sandwiched with a really good FSW heavyweight championship ring. Yeah. He had, so listen to this. So he had the No Limits title, held it for five minutes. Held the tag team titles, never made a defense. Nino Black got incarcerated. He was trying to pawn off the tag team belt and got caught. I don't know. And then uh, Chris Bay won the No Limits and dropped that title within two weeks. So 
<laughs> he's still considered one of our. He's got. He's on the wall of fame. He's an impact superstar. You know. Yeah. No. It's it, and that's the I, that's the phenomenal thing too. That if um, if people are not independent wrestling fans, uh, this is the kind of stuff that should you know make you interested in watching local companies just because there's some really you know incredible stuff that's done and then there's little things like that that you can watch someone um you know evolve from that positioning of yeah just a little bit just a little bit oh long run the 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 you know, the heavyweight champion, the bearer of the company. And it's really cool to see that development. And one of the things that we've uh, seen just recently here, uh, and you kind of talked about Toa and uh, going down to AEW for, you know, their dark tapings a lot of times. Um, but we're also now seeing uh, Jordan Cruz and Maserati showing up on AEW. How does that make you feel to see the journey of, you know, some of the, the talent that you've helped develop and, and given opportunities to uh, get that shot of impressing, you know, uh, the staff over there. Um, because obviously there are guys uh, in impact wrestling who uh, like D low that you guys work closely with. And so guys can get a look from impact fairly easy, but AEW just seems to be a little harder for West coast people to get that exposure over there. What does it mean to you to see, uh, you know, guys that are actively either champions for you or have been champions for you or have been great, um, you know, draws and, and good match guys getting those opportunities? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I did not know about Jordan Cruz. And just earlier today, I uh, noticed the Maserati one. And I'll be honest, it, it put a smile on my face. You know what I mean? It was like, you know, it's great to see the opportunities because she was getting those opportunities at Ring of Honor and it looked like she was about to get more. So, you know, again, is the door shut on that? Eh, not 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 necessarily, you know. And she and she gets to work, uh, you know, someone like uh, Kira Hogan, which I think that, you know, going along those lines of someone who was an impact signed with AEW but still is at that point where, you know, they're not necessarily way veteran, you know, status. So they got to get some more work in and, and kind of develop a little bit more. Does that give also a fair opportunity for someone like Maserati to show uh, that she can listen to what is needed to be done, perform that, and then when she gets backstage either you know take the notes or or take the pat on the back and then you know do what she's asked to do the next time is that kind of the the process that you know they go through to to show that they can be there and they want to learn you know absolutely like when i've talked about maserati in the past and they're like oh maserati's a wrestler i'm like she's a great valet great valet she was a shitty wrestler, you know, and I really credit not us. I credit the turnaround being her going to China and training over there, yeah. you know, maybe because it was a different way. And all she had to do there was 
wrestle and train and not worry about a job and worry about life's issues that it made her realize, you know what, I think I can do this. And then when she came back, she was a totally different person. And now she was somebody you can count on in that division because she always had the heat. She was always despised. You know what I mean? It was, you know, you you couldn't buy the heat that her and Nick Bugatti got. And now all of a sudden she's becoming a credible wrestler and she's someone, you know, we can maybe build around. And as I said, Sandra was young and, and Maserati was just, you know, getting her feet wet and starting to become pretty good. And, you know, we got graced with, uh, you know, the baby at the door, please take me in, Lacey Ryan. And it kind of made things easier because I could bring the other two along a little slower. Right. And, again, that might not have made them happy because everybody wants it now. And, you know, I've had this discussion with numerous people that were champions that always felt initially that they should have been champions already because everybody thinks they're here when they're here. Right. And it's like, you know, even talking with Williams and, and, you know, a different guys, they understand the thought process of what it takes. You know, we need you to get over. We need you to be capable. We need you to make sure, you know, we don't need you being the champion just because people like you or people dislike you. You got to earn that right. Yeah. And Sidden uses always the term, the terrible twos. And we've seen it, you know, we've seen it with guys like Cross and all these other ones. All of a sudden they start getting accolades and things elsewhere. Now they feel like maybe I'm not taking care of them the way other people are. But again, to other people, you're the flavor of the month. Right. So you can go to Mike Rain's company and he sees you and it's like, oh, wow, this guy's awesome. Well, we're in a thing where we're running regularly two, three, four times a month that we have to create different scenarios, different things. If I never ran a show and I just ran the Mecca and then I ran the anniversary show and I ran against all against all odds. Sure. There's certain people that would never get on the shows right. because they wouldn't have had that opportunity. And if they would have never gotten on that show then they probably would have never been looked at by that guy in Arizona, that promoter in California, because they didn't get to see Future Shock. The promoter doesn't give a fuck if it's in front of a 1,000 people or if it's in front of 40 people. Right. All they're doing is looking at the guy. And I'm not saying those guys aren't good. They're just not at the level of where we might be running a Mecca for them to be there. And hopefully down the line, you know, guys like... Jacob Austin Young, you know, he was, you know, when he was with Greg Romero and Gorgeous and Young, you know, they were the pre-show kings. You know, they'd go to the casino and they'd usually get their ass whooped or whatever, but they were on the casino show. Right. In some way or in a six-man tag. And those opportunities got them to be better. If you work 10 times a year, it's going to take you this long. If you're working 100 times a year, it's the equivalent of working a month instead of a year to get to that spot yeah. because you're working these matches. And, you know, 
AEW, I'll say one thing. There, there's plenty of women they've used that are horrible. And, you know, and again, a lot of times they'll be one and done or, or whatever. So the key is they obviously want women on their show. Right. So when you get your opportunity to shine, you know, you better shine because you may not get that opportunity because there's a lot of women who are trying to get on that show and they'd rather give somebody a first opportunity than somebody a second or third because they know immediately, just like Toa, you know, they knew at worst, this is a guy we like and we're going to protect. When a newcomer comes to AEW Dark and he's putting a random tag team against a guy, guys like FTR, and they have him start off the match, and he basically dominates them until the tag out. It wasn't, hey, let's let this big Samoan guy get in a move or two. No, he he was carrying the match for a minute or two until, you know, the tag was made. He was protected. He didn't take the pin. There's nobody who can't look at that match and say, yeah, I think they like this dude. And, and it isn't what is there to like about him, but it's like you could just see the way he's booked. Yeah. You get a lot of these guys that are booked that are very talented that they go in there and they give them their one or two moves and they get their ass beat in a minute and a half. All done. See you later. Thanks for coming. Bye. Yeah. You know, you know, look at Danny Limelight when he first started there. It was just jobber, jobber, jobber match. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's getting semi-competitive matches with Kenny Omega. So, obviously, you know, it's a growing process for all those guys. Yeah. Unless they see a diamond in the rough and they see a guy. Shit, even, uh, what is it, Rohit from uh, Impact. Yeah. You know, he showed up AEW Dart, wrestled a, a pretty short match, lost clean, and that's what we've seen of him. Yeah. You know, they're willing to give a million opportunities. But, you know, and they're willing to sign a lot of people, but... You know they're they're gonna sign what they need. They, you know, you know we love Toa, but you know they can big they can use uh, you know they can use part of the Samoan dynasty over there. You know WWE doesn't have to own it all. Yeah, at this point, you know uh, Samoa Joe was released. You could uh, have him head up a you know kind of a manage a manage slash wrestle position. Uh, well, yeah, you can pay me like twenty grand, and we can call him Toko Uso. <laughs> Oh, wait, they gave him up with that name, not me. I'll take credit anyway. <laughs> People say I do anyway, so. <laughs> um, as we uh, kind of get ready to wrap up here, um, what were your uh, thoughts on the Rumble matches, the women's match and the, the guys' match? That Royal Rumble was so bad, it was almost as bad as our finish at our Against All Odds match. But at least we told a good story in the match. Like, there was no rhyme or no reason. It was like, so the Mysterios aren't in the ring together to do something. I would have had Ronda Rousey tossed by uh, by Baszler, and I would have set up that match. And then give Rousey, you know, SummerSlam, she can go after the title. Whatever. You know, it's just everything was predictable. You know, I did my radio show, and it was like they were talking about the Rumble. And they were doing, they were showing the odds and they were reeling them off. And this was two weeks before the Rumble. And it was like, I can't believe it. Ronda Rousey's 18 to 1. She's not even in the match. And I said, Yeah, she's not in the match right now. If she's in the match, 
she is going to win the match. There's no way they're putting Ronda Rousey in and not having her win, which should have triggered me to put $100 to win $1,800 on Ronda Rousey, but I did. And then all of a sudden, a week later, oh, Ronda Rousey, looks like she's coming back either at the Rumble or on Raw. I immediately go to that website, and instead of betting 100 to win 1800 I would have now had to bet $240 to win 100 So she became the odds-on favorite at 2.5 to 1, yet she still wasn't even announced for the match. Yeah. Just like Brock Lesnar, the odds-on favorite to win the men's Rumble. So everybody knows. But with Rousey, we could have got in there early. I could have made money on Lashley because Lesnar was the favorite, and I could have made money on Rollins because I knew he wasn't winning the belt. But I really felt that they weren't going to – again, the focus of the show is the Rumble. So when the focus of the show is the Rumble, it's okay for there to be a DQ finish, whatever. So now you know when it's a DQ finish and either – or a count out or whatever – in the Lashley or Lesnar match, Lashley, Lesnar, or Rollins and Reigns. So, if there's a schmoz finish, DQ, or count out, odds are the underdog or the non-champion is going to win. Not the underdog, the non-champion. The non-champion happened to be the underdogs, too. Right. So, if you bet both wins, you would have ended up winning both ways. And it just ended up being that they both won. But if you're getting a plus on this side and a plus on that side, and you're not sure, you just bet them both. Because if one of them comes in, you still win. Right. And now if they both came in like they did, well, you know, you could have turned a couple hundred bucks into a thousand. Because, you know, it, they're not underdogs like Buffalo was against Kansas City, even though they right. lost. But if you bet a hundred bucks, you'd win 125. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here you bet a hundred bucks on one, you're going to get two to four hundred. Over there, it's a hundred bucks to win two to four hundred. So, you know, it's definitely you know, worth the bet. So, yeah, I was disappointed. You know, the the Miz match, everybody's oh, it was, but it was a good match. It was like, yeah, but it was a, it was a Monday Night Raw match. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's like, first off, I'm booking. Miz beats Edge at the pay-per-view because of Maurice, brings out Beth Phoenix. Well, Edge beats Miz in a singles, and now they go have a tag, and they win again. So where does that leave Miz? Nowhere. Same where he's been. He didn't get the little rub of beating Edge, which is a big deal, even though he cheated to do it. But now we get the revenge of Beth Phoenix. And what was with that hairdo she had? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, so that match became pointless for me. You know, and then there was the spots in the Rumble that, you know, really didn't make sense. And like I said, you know, why wouldn't the Mysterios be in there together? I guess Kofi missed his spot where he landed on his feet. But, you know, it wasn't like he was going to win. So no no, no, no harm, no foul in that. That's kind of the, the, the gimmick there. You know, I predicted it would be Drew and Brock. And, you know, once the Rumble was going. Yeah. Because, you know, again, AJ Styles thrown out. No rhyme, no reason. He's a guy who's supposed to be one of your top five guys. Yeah. And he gets tossed by, like, Happy Corbin or some garbage. Like, you know, how... How miserable can these guys' gimmicks be, Moss and and Corbin? Like, hey, Baron, we got a 17th gimmick for you. Maybe one of them will get over. But we'll keep giving you opportunities. But we're going to release Keith Lee or a cross. You you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, 
I, I don't understand it. And it was the same thing with the Rumble. There was a period of time, and it was funny because I was, I was on the air at the time. And we were kind of doing play-by-play. And it was kind of like there was like eight guys in the ring at the time. And I'm like, look at this. There's eight guys in here. There's seven jobbers and AJ Styles. Okay? 20 seconds later, AJ Styles got dumped. It was like not one of these guys in anybody's mind, even their own parents, don't believe that the guy's got a shot to win. You know, it was Moss. It was Corbin. It might have been Mysterio, Dominic, that is. And it, it was Cesaro, who's not being pushed in any way. Right. You know, it's all these mid-card guys. You know, then Sheamus came along, and they buried Sheamus so badly that you don't want to see him in that upper echelon feud. Right. You know, here's a guy, all the talent in the world. He had gotten himself over. People cared. He's been the champion numerous times. And now you kind of cringe when you see him on there. Like, really, to have him beating up Drew? You know, Drew... You know, and so some people are like, yeah, but Drew got the belt for two years or had the belt on and off for a year and a half. Yeah, but he did it in front of no fans. He didn't really get the opportunity to get over. He didn't get his WrestleMania moment. And you saw when he came out, people popped big because he was one of a handful of guys. You know, at the end, now you build it all up and now you've got RK Bro together in there and they love Riddle. And they love Orton more now because he's with Riddle. And... You know, all of a sudden, Brock comes in, toss, toss, toss. Like, there wasn't even any – it was so anticlimactic. It was like there's the final five. It usually takes a while, and you throw people out. And Brock comes in, and he throws them all out in 10 seconds. There was no anticipation of anything. It's kind of like when the baby face blows his comeback. Yeah. I always used to – we had a champion. His name was Franco D'Angelo. And I would always try to get into him. It was like, he, he, he's well-liked, you know? And just like most champions you watch, Bret Hart, there's the, that signature setup when it looks like they're going to go over. Right. Okay? You know, Ric Flair, he does his thing. Hulk Hogan, and, the, and he's going to Hulk up. And you know the end is near. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember he's wrestling his mid-card guy. And the guy's in command, and all of a sudden, the guy goes to whip him in the rope, and uh, Franco D'Angelo reverses it. And then, as the guy's coming to him, he basically catches him into a sky high. That was his finish. Okay. But the guy, the guy was in control for like forty-five seconds straight, and out of nowhere, Franco got over by three seconds, and that was the pin. And it was just. <laughs> One, two, three, match is over. He defends the title. And it was like, but there was a thing to get the crowd to get behind you. Right. And, you know, and, yeah. and that's the same situation. Like there, yeah, they let they let Drew and, and Lesnar go for 30 seconds. Like, big deal. Like, yeah. it was like, let's get it done with. You know, we need to set up. The Rumble should not be setting up Lesnar and Reigns. Lesnar and Reigns... Because in reality, they try to make Lesnar and Reigns set up the Rumble, but they didn't because it, it kind of backfired to me because now all the focus is on that and the and the Rumble, which is the biggest match that people give a shit about. Right. Oh, well, yeah, okay, Brock Lesnar's in. It was no different when they did the Money in the Bank, and I think it was Mustafa Ali was on the top of the ladder, 
and then Brock Lesnar's music hits. So what happens? Mustafa Ali grabs the belt, wins the match, and looks at Lesnar and gets beat up. No. He stands on the ladder, watches Lesnar's music hit, lets Lesnar, who's not even the match, run to the ring, and then beat him up and grab the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. That makes people who don't watch wrestling, when they're with people who are watching wrestling, why do you watch this? This is fucking stupid. You know? The only other time I remember that was... They had Jericho against Edge in a feud, okay? And it was a steel cage match, yeah. right? And this was the only steel cage match that when you went out the door, there was literally a plank, and then you had to go down, okay? Right. So that was the first time. So now Edge is beating the fuck out of him. This is over. Edge gets out, opens the door, walks on the plank. Jericho mutters something. You know, come on back in, motherfucker. So instead of Edge putting his feet on the ground, winning the match, and then beating the fuck out of Jericho, of course, he doesn't win the match. You know, he's one foot away from winning the match, and he's 20 feet away from going back to Jericho. Goes back to Jericho. Oh, my God, what a miscarriage of justice. And Chris Jericho wins the match. So It's kind of like, and in the last one. So Lashley wins. But we had to make sure that everybody knew because Lesnar hit the finish and they counted for 20 fucking seconds. Right. So what did that do to Bobby Lashley when he was pinned for 20 seconds? Right. Like make close to where I get you want to have that visual pin, but don't make him lay there forever. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it's just like makes me as a wrestling fan go, <laughs> I hate that. And thankfully, as a promoter, the only time I kind of really did that was at Against All Odds when I thought doing the two guys at the same time instead of the Bulldog and or it was Luger and somebody. Who was it? Bret Hart and Luger? Yeah, Bret yeah, Hart, Bret Hart and Luger, Luger went over yeah. the top and they landed at the same time. Yeah. Well, to do this to where EC3 is coming in as a baby face, but it turns out MK pays him off. And him and Juicy at the end, they're the final two. People are ready for the, the, the beat down. And then MK comes out, and it was flat as fuck. Like, people hated the idea. Like, I loved the idea. I thought it was a great idea. Now, MK, which was smart. It's, it's a smart business ploy. I pay off EC3. So now I got EC3 and Juicy wrestling Hammerstone in the main event for the title. Now I got two shots out of three. I got a handicap match. One of my guys has to become the champ. That's my goal. He's Bobby Heenan. He's trying to get the, the thing with, with Hogan. Right. And the crowd just shit all over, or shat all over it. And I was like, man, I thought this was a really good idea. And to this day, I think it's a good idea. And, you know, the bottom line. But guess what? They, the fans are the ones who are paying their money to see it. They didn't stop coming or anything like that, but they just were like, you know. Yeah. Because they rumble. See, that's right. a big match, and I fucked with the ending of a big match that they hated. Right. You know, if we did it in some other battle royal and we did something like that, it would have been fine. But the show was based, the entire anniversary show was based 
on the 30-man rumble. The winner that day wrestles in the main event the first time ever instead of doing it the same night. It was our two-night anniversary show, and we fucked with the wrong match. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, too. I think that if you look at, um, you know, the... The first time now that WWE is going out to Saudi Arabia for the Elimination Chamber, which I'm assuming is going to be the setup for whatever the Raw title, you know, the the World Heavyweight title, WWE title, is going to end up being in WrestleMania, uh, because it's it just seems like Lashley might even drop the belt in February at Saudi Arabia. So it's kind of, it it goes to show the short vision of what was going on in the investment. Also in a four hour show as opposed to maybe a three hour show, which, you know, I think could have helped as well because you had that Beth and uh, edge versus Miz and Maurice match right before the rumble and right before that match, you had the uh, the screw job on on Lesnar, so it's like the sale, the wind in the sails was already coming out, and I think that it was an odd setup, um, and uh, it was it was an homage to Luna Vachon. That's why she did her hair like that and had the uh, lightning on her uh, face for uh, Beth Phoenix. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, with that, uh, you know, we're without uh, knowing it, it looked really weird. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, when did they become the grit couple? Like, what the fuck is that? Uh, about two or three weeks ago, when <laughs> they decided, oh, well, Maurice and, and Miz are the it couple. They'll be the grit couple. It's like, oh, it made no, yeah, yeah. It it just. Yeah, there's things that that I think that um, you can tell just get infused, and um, you know, uh, that's that's the funny thing is that yes, you can just pick apart stuff because those doors are open. There's so much going on with that company that it almost sometimes feels like not even Vince McMahon is in charge. No one's in charge, and it's just you know. We plan one match, and that's what we go off of. Um, as we wrap up here, Joe, any final thoughts uh, going into Mecca on f- this Friday, uh, the 4th of uh, February? And uh, Silver Nugget, 7 p.m. If you have Fight TV, you can't make it down. Uh, 14.99 on Fight TV. What do you say, Joe? What are the final words on uh, Mecca? You know, it's a, it's a can't-miss show. If if you're an FSW fan in any way, that that's a show you have to see somehow. You know, come down live. We got, you know, from where we just were, this place is much bigger. You know what I mean? Full bar in hand. Uh, we're not going to have, like, a full food menu. They do have a, a food place upstairs. We've gotten it okay to where people can grab the food and bring it downstairs. Uh, so there's no issues in that. They might even have a food truck or two hanging around. But, you know, again, bottom, top to bottom, you know, it's, you know, it rivals any Mecca we've ever done. And we've done some big ones. So, you know, this is a show 
you know, you like AEW, got a couple guys. You like MLW, we got some of their top guys. You got like Impact, we got some of their top guys. You got Ring of Honor, you got AAA, we got WWE, you know, we got major people from every single company. And I guarantee you, there's not a lot of shows around that can say we have representatives from pretty much every major company and even New Japan. With, with guys like Tito and, and, you know, other guys that have worked in New Japan strong, TJP, worked New Japan, Japan, you know. So wherever, you know, wherever you look on the card and then you got some of the best up-and-coming young talent that has been spotlighted on FSW, you know, as well as, you know, three FSW originals 12 years later, you know, Funny Bone, Remy Marcel, and Cody. Uh, are were all appeared at our very first show and and now 12 years later which from from top to bottom the the best card you know i'm not gonna say it's the best show but it's definitely the best card and whatever type and style of wrestling you like you'll see it from from jacob fatu with cross and hammerstone and cage agile guys mixed in with davy richards to chris Babe versus Vandergriff. You know what I mean? It's like, you like that fast style. We got the four-way, you know. So we are ex- extremely excited uh, about what's in store. Um, we think we may have a, a partner that is more than willing to help us out to do things. You know, it was really disappointing that the pieces of shit at fucking Diversion did what they did. But you know what? Sometimes... You, you need those things to happen for better things to happen on the back end. So, you know, that's what we're looking at. You know, the more we're there, the more bells and whistles we're going to add. We went out and bought some different things that we didn't have at other places and maybe we didn't need it's like at a place like Samstown, you know, so we're trying to make it, you know, aesthetically pleasing as much as possible, you know, to the fans and, and always trying to upgrade everything we do. Well, there you have it. Everyone, again, it's going to be this Friday, the 4th of February, 7 p.m. Uh, you can catch it on Fight TV if uh, you're not in Vegas. But if you're in Vegas, come on down. Uh, it's going to be a very uh, festive atmosphere. And uh, some of the best wrestling uh, you're going to see, uh, you know, until the next Mecca happens. So... Let's that's uh, right. Let's support it. Let's keep it going, and uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun night. And uh, uh, also uh, tune in. Uh, pre-show will probably start somewhere around six or six thirty in that time frame. So uh, you can watch the pre-show uh, online. That's right. We were doing the uh, the the Vegas Bad Boys return with their uh, the the FSW pre-show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So. Uh, keep that in mind, and uh, again, uh, just uh, you know, support FSW and um, follow the guys. And hopefully, uh, if I see uh, Kevin Cross, I don't end up with a broken jaw because uh, I apparently said something that was uh, you know, he didn't. Yeah, talk. he wasn't happy with was you. That wasn't happy at all, and so glad you asked the questions. <laughs> So, uh, 
Um, yeah, I'm kind of, kind of dreading that. So, uh, with that, thank you everyone for tuning in, and hopefully, uh, I'll be able to uh, talk uh, next week, and I uh, won't have a, a wired shut jaw. So, all right, everyone, take care, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>